Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation, or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, You Know What That Means, and Viewer's Choice, or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North-South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com Podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at PlaceToBeNation.com The only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be, nah, dude. Come over here, this where it's at. Yo, 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 yo. Place to be is on my side, dude. Cause you don't wanna be the target when I fly the coop. Nah, place to be is on my side, dude. Cause you don't wanna be the target when I fly the coop. Buenos dias. Come on, come on. We call it the, uh, the place to be. Place to be. Yeah. Then I shall be. It is contagious. It is the place to be. And we are live each and every Monday. To do, to, to do worse than Josh Richard. Place to Be Nation proudly presents a powerful pair of pro wrestling pundits. It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscolo. And this is the Place to Be Podcast. This is it, what? Lucini Introducing Welcome back to the great episode of the one and only Place to Be Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Zero. Coming on this Monday inside these studios. Joining me as always is my PIC, Mr. Scott. Hello, how are you, sir? Good evening, JR, uh, brother from another mother. Good evening, everyone. The PTV Wrestling Network family. Welcome to episode 632 of the longest running episodic motherfucking gold fender. Uh, yes, we are reaching the back end of 2009. Uh, how are you, sir? You're traveling the globe uh, every weekend, it seems like. Howard feels things, like it. Right? Crazy. It's awesome. I don't know where you've been to more, softball fields or amusement parks. <laughs> I, don't I, think in, I don't think in the time I've known you've been to this many amusement parks in like the last six months. And, yeah, and I don't even do the rides, really. And then I did Superman at Six Flags. I did that, at least. So, yeah. against my better judgment. But it was I'm fine. guessing you did not do Kindaka. Uh, they don't have that. They don't have that. That one. We went oh no, you didn't one. go to the Jersey yeah, one. Oh, okay. no, no, no. oh, that's right. You went to Hershey. That's right. You went <laughs> the um. I will say this though, the Superman. When I did it, like back in the last time I did it, it was probably like 2001 or something. Right. Um. And it, it seems a lot worse. I think I've just been on worse stuff since, and it actually didn't seem like as intimidating as it used to. I'll say that. I, I wouldn't want to go do it tomorrow again. <laughs> I'm good. But right. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of softball, a lot of, softball. Uh, a lot of podcasts as well. I live in stream, softball fields and stream yard is pretty much my life. <laughs> stream um, yards and ball yards. That's gonna yes. be your uh, fucking memoir. Stream yards and ball yards. 
I'm gonna have uh, brother Nate Milton do the the forward for it. Stream yards and ball yards. Stream yards and ball yards. Well, uh, speaking of ballers, uh, we have one this evening uh, for our show. Let's bring him in. An exciting one. Um, I was gonna say it's been a while, but I believe he was on our Halloween episode last year, right? Was that last year? I believe so. Yes, uh, so it hasn't been that long, but it's probably been a minute since he's done a vintage vaults pay per view recap with us. And of course, he's one of the longtime place to be OGs, a uh, very close friend to both of us, your co host of the main event, and uh, just an all around jam up guy, Mr. Steve Willie. How are you, Steve? I am doing great. I honestly can't even remember the last time I did a vintage vault. Uh, I've been, I think, believe I've been trapped in the vintage vault for all this time. And uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of chips. Do you remember any? Do you think you did any of the MSG house shows? No, I, I definitely didn't do any of those. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're on all the Christmas plays, so that's more important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I think it was was it last Halloween you were on with Jordan? We did the TV show, so it was last year, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. We did yep. Uh, yep. Sunny, and we did, what was it, Sunny and Boy Meets World? Uh, Boy Meets World. <laughs> World. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, and and right. since we did the Halloween episode of Boy Meets World, yes. I got to meet uh, Danielle Fischel and uh, mm. got my, my nice picture taken with her. Yes. And uh, I still haven't gotten over that. <laughs> well, listen. We all get that one Mark pick in our life, like Mark Poirier and Hanson and many <laughs> others. <laughs> nine years ago. Nine years ago. Oh, my Mark God. Poirier and Hanson. The uh, uh, memories came up on Facebook for me the other day of the ROH show um, when Brad and Poirier came to Rhode Island and we went to the ROH taping. I'm like, man, that it feels like yesterday, but it also feels like even longer ago. Like, it feels like decades ago. It's weird. It feels like a different different lifetime in many ways. It'll but. still be coming up, Steve. What is it? Eight years since uh, the Brooklyn ROH show, right? Yep. Yep. That was 2015. Because we, we didn't see the, the Four Horsewomen match because that was booked after we booked that show. Instead, we mm-hmm. got to see Bushwhacker. I forgot which one. <laughs> Luke, it was Luke. It was Luke. Walk, walk all the way, walk all the way out of the <laughs> field into the fucking uh, Atlantic Ocean. We also right. saw though, like Okada was Nakamura on that show. Was yeah, Nakamura? Nakamura was on that show. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, but, but Butch Bushwacker Wacker Luke will be the one. Yeah, no, that comes to uh, the mind first. Yes. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. But all right, well. Tonight we're gonna uh, head back to 2009. Your your favorite era, Steve. So we're happy to have you here to talk about this. <laughs> uh, before we do that, what we usually do is we head back in time 14 years prior to 1995 to do a little vintage wrestling and beyond mm. talk. And first off, Scott, is mm-hmm. there any uh, wrestling going on this very day in 1995? Uh, there was. As a matter of fact, uh, let me do. Usually I do WWF first. But let me do WCW first because WWF's a little uh, complicated. So on this day, October 25th, 1995, uh, WCW had a Saturday night taping uh, at the Center Stage Theater, uh, 650, all freebies. Um, So they did, uh, looks like, uh, four episodes. Um, They had some dark matches. Uh, Arn Anderson defeated, here are the dark matches. What are your thoughts on these, Steve? So Paul Orndorff defeated Todd Morton. Um, Arn Anderson defeated Kurosawa. Oh, okay. Uh, DDP defeated Mike Davis. VK Wall Street defeated Barry Houston. <laughs> DDP wrestled again and defeated Bart Sawyer. Scott Norton defeated Andy Fisher. And Jim Duggan defeated Tim Burton. Is that, well, first of all, it's not the director, Tim Burton, I assume. Second of all, no. is that like Maniac Mike Davis, or whatever his name was from Global, the guy that like went to the moon? Was that one of <laughs> <Tim>? <laughs> Probably. There's no link. I can't even tell, but. 
Uh, and then, oh, actually, this is a pretty good match, uh, Steve. Flair and Jerry Lynn. Okay. Mr. Was he Mr. JL at that time? Well, just He's according a, to Landy. WCW mask. I know, right? According to Graham and Landy, it just says Jerry Lynn. It doesn't say Mr. JL. Um, although this was Mr. JL time, though, right, uh, JR? 95? Or was that 96? JL is 95. So yeah, unless he worked nice as, like, though. yeah, maybe he was Jerry Lynn, like, Maybe he had just come in, and then they give him the jail. But he's pretty much jail, like to Steve's point. Yeah, in those early nitros. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I think this. Well, this I think is a dark match. So I don't think this was on TV anyway. Um, and then they did four, uh, four tapings for the end of August, uh, end of October, and pretty much all of November for um, uh, Saturday night. Now the WWF had an interesting problem here. Uh, there were two loops, kind of in the same part of the country, but an injury apparently botched one of the loops. So, oh, oh, one more thing, actually. Uh, Kevin Sullivan and the Zodiac introduced somebody to the master. It is the debut of... The giant. Mo- Morris. <laughs> oh, <I was laughs> Morris. The Yeti. The Yeti. Is that coming up? What's that? Uh, that is coming Yeti up. Yeti is World War Three. I mean, uh, Halloween Havoc. Halloween yeah. Havoc, yeah. Okay. The giant was around World War Three was when they suddenly dropped him and he was like super ninja. <laughs> yes. God, that's some good times. Yeah. Yep. Um, But yes, Morris was uh, introduced by Kevin Sullivan and the Zodiac to the master. I had a barber named Morris when I was a kid. (laughs) Did he he have a good laugh? (laughs) No, Um, I remember him being very 80s looking, though. Like um, the limo driver and the wedding singer. Like, that's my memory. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty great, actually. Um, all right. So, so that's, that was the WCW TV. Now WWF had a, had a weird problem. Um, there were two loops, both again, like I mentioned in similar parts of the country, we'll do the show that actually happened first. So the date again is October 25th, um, 1995. And this show took place at, uh, the Tacoma Dome actually in Tacoma, Washington, speaking of, uh, WCW and ill-fated things, uh, <laughs> Uh, you're six years later. Uh, so here's the card. Your thoughts, gentlemen, on what you think. Uh, Owen Hart fought Fatu to a double countout. Uh, Alundra Blaze defeated Oh Sweet Bertha Faye. Goldust defeated the One Two Three Kid. And I think this Goldust, he's been on TV, right? Well, yeah, he's already been pretty much around, right? Because he was at In Your House 4. Well, that would have just happened. I mean, he was in vignettes from, like, July. July. And then he did house shows starting in August. And then, yeah, his first. He wrestled Marty, right? In your house, four. house four. Yeah. yeah, he wrestled Marty. So here he beats uh, he beats the kid. Barry Horowitz defeated Skip, as that storyline continues. Psycho Sid defeated uh, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, on a side note, JR, did you watch the Dark Side of the Ring on Bigelow? I'll be honest with you. I've never watched one episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Well, I'll be honest. I will be honest with you. Some of them are very sad and really upsetting to me as a kayfabe fan of the '80s. I think I think they kind of ruin things sometimes. The Bigelow one is actually pretty good. I think you would actually enjoy it. I think you'd like it. I well, the problem is they came out during the pandemic, and like, mm-hmm. um, I know Steve's with me. Like, it was, it was a very as a time where like you didn't want a lot of like negative content and down yeah. like there was enough of that going on. Yeah. Um. So I just I was like, ugh, and, and I just like I still mentally associate it with that time. And I can't get past it to watch them. Maybe eventually I will, but for now, no, just, you're, you're too tied to me to that. You know, right. it's like watching sports with no fans tied in with 
Dark Side of the Ring, kind of. Even the Last Dance, honestly, I've I've actually only watched like the first episode, and I just never went back and watched it because all that stuff that came out in those first couple of months of the pandemic, I just still struggle with. Yeah, yeah I've never, no, I, I have not I watched agree. all of the Last Dance either. Yeah, uh, and and obviously, I grew up in that era and in that. Oh, I, I, that, I mean, city. It's like custom made content for me. Like right. '90s NBA is like yes. I, don't I know love why I can't do it. I loved. It. I watched the whole Last Dance. I loved it. Well, I, I'm a Michael guy, and. uh you you would appreciate it, Jr. I guess it was '98 when B.J. Armstrong went to the Hornets, and <laughs> Michael just wanted to squash him like a fucking bug. But anyway, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I don't know. The Bigelow one was was actually not bad. I mean, it was they're all sad, obviously, because that these fucking guys are sadists, but <laughs> that make these shows. But I like the Bigelow one. I figured you'd like you, you may you may appreciate that one when you're in a proper frame of mind. Any event, uh, Bigelow lost to Psycho Sid on this night, which might be just as depressing as being on a Dark Side of the Ring episode. Uh, Hakushi defeated Rad Radford. And then your double main event, Razor Ramon successfully defended his intercontinental title against Davey Boy, uh, who subbed for Dean Douglas. Was he gone by then? Dean Douglas? No, he's there to like December. Okay. He, he was subbed in, Davey Boy subbed in. And then the main event, Diesel, your World Wrestling Federation champion, defeated Yakazuma, which probably should have been the main event of In Your House <laughs> something. <laughs> so... Anyway, so that's the card in Tacoma. Now, the other loop was supposed to be in Weyburn, Saskatchewan. And here's where the problem comes in. Saskatchewan. Uh, Well, Saskatchewan is a problem. But, uh, oh, I don't know if Aaron George feels that way, but that's not really near him anyway. Um, So what was the big injury that occurred in in late October of 95? Uh, The Undertaker's face. Yes, the Undertaker's face got squished by one of Mabel's gigantic ass cheeks. Mm-hmm. So because of that, Taker was out, of course, and he wouldn't come back until Survivor Series with the cool mask and all that stuff. Um, so on this loop, Taker was supposed to take on uh, Isaac Yankum DDS. Please say Kamala. Um, unfortunately... Mr. Steve Aloysius Willie. Kamala was working uh, in WCW at the time. Oh, sorry. oh that's right. He was, back. <laughs> he was in the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. So, um, because of that, okay, because of Taker's injury, and the lack, this is what how it's worded on uh, historywb.com, and a lack of a main event, the show got canceled. Oh, <laughs> Not the first time. While the other loop was doing shows in other places, October 25th, Weyburn, Saskatchewan. October 26th, North Brattleford, uh, Saskatchewan. October 27th, Prince Albert in the Can, Saskatchewan. Uh, October 28th, Swift Current. (laughs) That's the name of a town, Swift Current, Saskatchewan. And uh, on the same day, Dauphin, Manitoba. All those shows. Oh, wait, we got more. October 29th, Yorkton, boy, poor Saskatchewanese. They lost all this shit. And then Selkirk, Manitoba. All of those shows were canceled because Taker was hurt and they could not get a main event together. That's bad. <laughs> First of all, how do you, what my, you might take on this? I want your guys' thoughts. First thing I would have done, by the time, by the second show, why don't you just split Razor and Diesel up and put one of them on the other loop? Instead of having both, I'll of tell them. you why. Because I'm guessing they didn't sell 
many tickets to these shows in rural Saskatchewan in October of 1995 when the business was in the shitter. Probably. And it was probably cheaper to just bag them than trying to get other guys out there and keep them going. So I, I think this was like, you know, a little real, right? That Taker got hurt, but I think it was a little cover story as well to make up for like probably poor house. Yeah. Draw. That's and probably true. It was probably more cost effective to bag them than run them with what they were going to make at the gate. That, that's, yeah. that's my guess. Yeah. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I think there's something to that. Even AEW ran that Canada loop recently, and I think it was, I think it was Saskatchewan that basically only had a couple thousand people where they were mm-hmm. doing pretty well at all the big cities. So yeah, why why bother when they lose? I can't believe they're still doing two tours at that time. I know. When, like I you said, too. business was so bad. I can't even imagine who would be on the other loop if, I mean, maybe the smoking guns, I would assume, right? The I mean, not even just running Saskatchewan, like running like 15 tiny towns in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Right. It's like it's just the one in Saskatoon or whatever. It's like to be running all these little spots in Saskatchewan in October 95 with the B team. It's, yeah. Uh, they, uh, they, yeah. November, 3rd, November 3rd, they canceled in Fitchburg, Mass., have you ever heard, JR, of the Wallace Civic Center in Fitchburg? I've never heard of it. No, I cannot say um, Anyway, that got canceled. Enfield, I know exactly what that show probably was. Enfield, Connecticut, that got canceled. Finally, they kind of got the loop going again in, in early November when they when they hit the Midwest. Oh, there was a show in Norwalk. What the fuck was that? Probably probably Norwalk High School. Um, yeah, canceled anyway. No one would probably go on. Um, so there's your house shows for uh, this date, October 25th, 1995. Um, let's hope... That the quality of Herb is better than the quality of these house shows, JR. What does Herb have for us? All right. Let's see. We're going to have uh, three batches for you, Mr. Willie. October right. 6, 1995. Uh, Herb's PC is in the shop, so we had to whip this up quickly <laughs> in the office. Come <laughs> um, USA. <laughs> uh, he makes a joke here about Mexican minis and his PC hard drive. I don't know. WCW was apparently quite serious about pushing the promotional feud with New Japan later in the year. New Japan will also run matches as part of this feud. WCW was looking to bring in some of the key wrestlers to work the TV tapings, including Disney. Raw versus Nitro ratings war this far looks like this. And he runs through the ratings. Uh, Nitro was unopposed on September 4th. Of course, they popped a 2-9. <clears throat> and I'll give you the subsequent weeks following that. Nitro first, Raw second. So 2-5 to 2-2. 2-4 to 2-5, to 2-7 for Raw. So that 9-25, I think that might be the night after In Your House 3, possibly. Um, in Your House 4, you just mentioned, Scott, we talked about a minute ago, October 22nd. Tentative lineup is Diesel versus British Bulldog, Shawn Michaels versus Dean Douglas, Smoking Guns versus Owen Hart and Yokozuna, Undertaker versus Waylon Mercy, Razor Ramon versus Sid, and Hakushi versus Skip. And that, that tentative lineup is uh, almost completely wrong. Sean Douglas was obviously scheduled. That gets changed, but those last four matches aren't aren't even close to what we get. So, uh, Halloween Havoc on October 29th. Tentative lineup is Hogan versus the Giant in a monster truck and wrestling match. <laughs> Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair and Sting. Randy Savage versus your boy Kamala, Steve. Lex Luger versus Ming. DDP versus Johnny B. Bad. Hawk versus Kurosawa. And Sabu versus Jerry Lynn. So they go. He has them listed Jerry Lynn as well. WDF has Survivor Series on November 19th. The promotion would like to have an eight-woman tag match on the show with Alundra Blaze and Bertha Faye. Talk is they'll look to all Japan women to supply the other six. And, of course, that would happen. WCW pay-per-view on November 26th will feature the return of Doom. Not quite. 
Tentative lineup also has Bull Nakano and Mariko Yoshida versus Akira Hokuto and Mima Shimoda. The women will work a rematch the next night on Nitro. WCW Starcade in late December. The talk is WCW versus New Japan in a series of matches. Tentative lineup includes Chris Benoit versus Jushin Liger. Uh, any quick thoughts on that very brief batch of herb? Little uh, those can knock a no action. Yeah, those there. women matches were great. The WCW ones um, were legitimately great matches. Even Bobby Heenan was popping for them because he had no idea what he was. He was ready to make fun of them, and he was was it like the one girl Candy something or other. Mm. Yeah. Steve, were there a lot of was there a lot of uh, them on the on the tapes in '95 New Japan tapes? No, no all Japan. well, yeah, they're all Japan. And oh, it, it was, Japan. I'm sorry, all Japan, not New Japan, all Japan. Early '80s, early to mid '90s was when they were at their heyday. Yeah. Well, um, I just read Medusa's book. Speaking of Alondra Blaze, it was it was pretty interesting. Very uh, written, very much in an ADHD style, which she admitted it was all over the place. But there is some pretty cool stories about, um, I'd say about half of it was wrestling. Half of it was her monster truck uh, career. I highly recommend it. It was, there's mm. very, very sad parts of it. Mm. But overall, uh, very intriguing to see the wrestling uh, aspects of it. Hmm. All right. Let's fast forward a week and... We had in your house this past Sunday. Even wait, hold on, is that really the next week? I feel like I might have gone ahead too much. No, no on the nineteenth. In your oh, had in your house this Sunday. Even with Bill Watts having resigned as primary booker for the company, Shawn Michaels. So he had the card that wrong the week before. Is that right? Oh, he missed a week. Okay, that makes sense. So that was the other one was October fifth. This is October nineteenth. So he, he, the PC must have still been in the shop. Uh, he missed a week. Yeah. I'm like, how did he go? How did he have the card? That, but still, two weeks out, he was that wrong on the card. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I know that card changed quite a bit, but not that much. Even with Bill Watts having resigned as primary booker for the company, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker began unexpected being unexpectedly unable to work the show. There was a little excuse for booking on the show. Every key match ended with a screwy finish. The standard policy of putting replacement babyface over when it's a substitution led to Razor Ramon winning the IC title from Dean Douglas after Michaels forfeited the belt to the Dean. The same policy didn't apply when the two heels, Mabel and Yokozuna, faced each other due to Undertaker's absence. The result, a very lame double countout. Goldust showed who what a prolonged absence in the ring could do to someone and hopefully will be back working hard in the future. But the gimmick is downright embarrassing. In short, the show was the first definite thumbs down in a long time. Halloween Havoc this Sunday. It's the same card. Uh, he now has Jerry Lewis as Mr. JL. Lex Luger and Randy Savage wrestle each other if they both win their matches. It's expected Hogan will be injured somewhere along the way and removed from the picture for a couple months. Apparently, the plan of all along was for Ric Flair to turn on Sting and rejoin Arn, who along with Brian Pillman and a mystery fourth man will become the Four Horsemen. The Observer reports that Sting agreed to the plan but balked recently when he thought it would make him look stupid. Flair wants to turn. The company doesn't really want him to turn since he's over, and Sting wants to be a part of it. So we'll see what happens on the show. And indeed, <laughs> Sting does look stupid. <laughs> Narrator, <laughs> Sting looks stupid. WCW has let Vader out of his contract. There's no word as if the WWF will jump on him. In other exciting news, the WCW plans to turn John the Shark Tenta babyface as the first outcast of the Dungeon of Doom. The one-man gang is rumored to be his replacement. Raw versus Nitro ratings war continues. Um, we'll pick up here with 10-2. So 2-5 to 2-5. It's even. Uh, the next week was tied again at 2-6. And then October 16th, Raw won 2-5 to 2-2. Two, two. 
Survivor Series on November 19th, Bret Hart versus Diesel. And then Bertha Faye, Aja Kong, Lioness Asuka, and Tamako Watanabe versus Lundra Blaze, Kayuki Inoue, Saki Hasagawa, and Chaparita Asari will be on the card. This will be Bertha Faye's final match of the promotion, and Alundra will work occasional pay-per-view shots next year with a limited push against various Japanese women. WCW has World War III on November 26th, 60-man battle royal. The winner gets a WCW title shot. Also, Abul Nakano and Akira Hokuto versus Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Ozaki. So that has changed from the last time we had it. WCW will be sending uh, the following to New Japan for shows on November 13th and 14th. Flair, Sting, Alex Wright, Arn Anderson, Johnny B. Bad, Stephen Regal, Bobby Eaton, Nasty Boys, Harlem Heat, and the Giants. The idea is to hype interpromotional feud that will get some push here. Build with the New Japan guys working TV tapings while they are here for the pay-per-view leading to Starcade, which has a tentative lineup of Sting versus Kazuki Sasaki, Koji Kanemoto versus Alex Wright, Randy Savage versus Hiroshi Tenzan, Masa Chono versus Lex Luger, Johnny B. Bad versus Hiro Saito, Shinzero Otani versus Eddie Guerrero, and Benoit versus Liger. Uh, any thoughts on that before we get to our final batch? Steve, what do you got? Anything? No, no, nothing. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a couple of uh, remixes of some of the matches for the pay-per-views. That was about it. Yeah, he cleaned up his picks. All right. October 26th. The WF. Uh, hang on. This is the same report. He ran it. So it looks like two weeks in a row. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. You got a week batch of her, buddy. That's about it for us for this week. So Control I don't C. know why he ran the same one two weeks in a row, but there we go. The computer. Yeah. Lame. But, uh, Put another uh, 128 megabyte chip in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, maybe the maybe the guy in the office took his PC and just took off with it, ran away. <laughs> and Herb called and said, "Dude, at my laptop." Now he's a runaway. And maybe at that same time, that was the theme of Janet Jackson's song "Runaway," the number three song in the nation behind uh, "Gangsta's Paradise" and "Fantasy," which we had as one and two. Uh, actually, those. We're number ones over the last two weeks, but the number one and two this week, number three, Runaway. That brings us to Scott Criscolo's vintage pop culture corn. Yes, uh, Fantasy by Mariah Carey, number one, and of course, Coolio, number two, and we've covered them. So Janet was number three with Runaway, which was on the charts for quite a while. Mm. Uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal at number four, of course. From Kiss Batman. from a Rose, baby. Kiss from a Rose, baby, from Batman uh, Forever. You Are Not Alone by Michael, so Janet's three, Michael's five. As I Lay Me Down by Sophie B. Hawkins. Steve, you definitely are a Sophie B. Hawkins guy, aren't you? I actually do love Sophie B. Hawkins. Okay, that is a Steve Willey <laughs> artist. Uh, Damn, I Wish I, I Was Your Lover is an absolutely <laughs> fantastic song. Mm-hmm. It actually is a good song. I just heard yeah. it on 90 of the day. That, uh, uh, the, as I Lay Here, that's not that great. But uh, the other one is, is fantastic. I agree, actually. Uh, Tell Me by Groove Theory at 7. Only Want to Be With You by Hootie at 8. We talked about them for a while. Back for Good by Take That at 9. And another Steve Aloysius Willie special, Natalie Merchant with Uh, Carnival. Wonder? Not a fan. Not a fan of that song. I like her, and I like 10,000 Maniacs, but I was not a fan of that song. But anyway, that's your top 10 for this week. Uh, Ending uh, October uh, 20... What is it? 26th? 
1995. All right, let's go from the radio to the movie theater and see what was in the theater on this week. Got to be honest, 1995, middle of the year, JR, I feel like the last few movie lists have been kind of weak. Yeah. So let's see if this is, let's it's see if the holiday season good. starts to ramp up here. Yeah. So maybe we'll get some good movies uh, here. All right. So number 10 is to die for, I don't know that one. Uh, number, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah maybe. So. Uh, number nine assassins, little sly and uh, Antonio Banderas. Uh, number eight, how to make an American quilt. Number seven, the first of four uh, debuts this week, three wishes. At number seven. Uh, seven at number six. Hello, little seven. boy. My name's Seven. Um, number five, Now and Then. Uh, number four, another debut. This actually wasn't a bad movie. Uh, copycat. Sigourney, what is it? Sigourney Weaver and who was the bad guy? Is it John Lithgow? I don't remember now. Hmm. Uh, I remember being a good movie, though. Uh, number three, Vampire in Brooklyn. Is that Snoop? Uh, that I don't know. That yeah, I, I, I could check that up. I think it was that now and then is a Christi, uh, Christina Ricci movie, oh. like Christina oh. Ricci in her prime. Oh, okay. Eddie, uh, uh, Eddie, Eddie Mur Murphy, Eddie Murphy's vampire. Oh, Eddie Murphy's vampire. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, what's the movie I'm thinking of with Snoop? Um, shit, he did a vampire movie too. Um, number two, I totally forgot about this movie, Powder. Ray Combs was oh. there. Ray Combs is in Vampire Brooklyn, by the way. Um, <laughs> Powder, I saw in the theater, actually. Powder and Seven. Basically, Dustin Rhodes. Uh... <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and the number one movie on this weekend, uh, Get Shorty, was the number one movie. So what, what's that? To, uh, Travolta, yeah. Danny DeVito. That's a sequel. Mm -hmm. It was meant to be like a similar to, I guess, kind of like a sequel-ish, right? Pulp Fiction, similar. Kind um, of. There's two. There's a Get Shorty feature as well. Then there was, and then Get Hard was the was the sequel. That's that was the one with Rock. No, not Get Hard. It was Get Um. No, Get Hard was uh, the, the <laughs> Kevin Hart and uh, Will Ferrell. Get God, be cool. Yeah, yeah, be, be cool. cool. Be right. cool. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a good five plus years after the original. Get yeah, Wait, it was good. more than that. It was Get Shorty's '95. Oh, yeah, was, yeah that was like the other ones not till like 2005 or six. Yeah, right? yep. Going back so to the old blockbuster day, shout out to to Reesh. Probably listening. Yes. So there's your top 10 movies. Still, I looked at the one for our next episode, and it's actually pretty good. So there's your weekend domestic chart. All right. Uh, let us now go to Major League Baseball. Uh, we are obviously in October, which means it is the postseason. And in fact, on this date, kind of makes sense because it's, a, well, I don't know what day of the week this was. Uh, but it was game... Four of the 1995 World Series, yes. and the Atlanta Braves defeated the uh, Cleveland Indians five to two to take a three games to one lead. Of course, they would end up winning the series in six. Of course, Jr. Uh, we all know what happened in the postseason that year. Um, did you ever think? And, and we'll get into this, you know, down the line when we get to '96. But did you ever think, as a Yankee fan? After that loss, that game five loss at the Kingdom, how different the team would have been in a year. I mean, it was pretty well known that Mattingly was leaving. I think firing Showalter was a bit of a surprise. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Jeter was like already rumored because he was on the roster in the play. Well, not on the roster, whatever. He was in the dugout in the playoffs. 
So, I mean, I'd say yes, different. I'd, I'd say it's more, you wouldn't have thought it was going to be like Showalter was like the big thing. But, right. um, but like I said, like Matt, it was kind of known that Mattingly was done. Like, I don't think anybody right. was coming back in 96. Yeah. I mean, I think they knew Tino was a free agent. The other thing, don't forget, yeah, Jeter was around, but, you know, the, the boss wasn't totally sold on him. So they uh, – remember the big the big rumor, thank God it didn't happen, was that uh, – Tony Fernandez? No, Felix Fermin. Oh, yeah. You, the Yankees already had Tony Fernandez. Felix, yeah, but it was his, like, didn't they – like he had, like, win the job from him or whatever. Which right. People, and, they weren't sure. and, then, and then Felix Fermin was going to come for Mariano. Thank God that never happened. For yeah. yeah. So, anyway. So it was on this date, Braves beat the Indians 5-2 at Jacobs Field in game uh, four of the World Series, which, of course, the Yankees would end up – or the Yankees. The Indians would end up – or the Braves would end up winning in uh, six. All right. Speaking of fields, tie up your cleats, Mr. Willie. We're taking the field. All right, here we go. So let's look back to where things stand early in the season. Week, our first week at this, I don't remember what the hell week it actually was, but a break at breaking point. Mr. Bennett bested me by one, 14 13. Mm-hmm. Last episode, I beat Rocco 10 to 7. So that puts me at a 23 21 lead going into this week here against Mr. Willie. All right. So we are in week nine of the 1995 NFL season. So all these games were on October 29th. It's closest, 1995. And of course, Monday night, October 30th. So uh, we will begin uh, at uh, the Georgia Dome in Hotlanta. We don't go there very often. seems like they're always on the road. Uh, The Falcons hosting the Dallas Cowboys, JR. Uh, I will take the Cowboys in this one. Uh, Steve? I'm going Cowboys as well. I think... I think I might be wrong, but I think this was Dion's first game as a Cowboy. Because that was the whole big thing, him going back to Atlanta, I thought. In any event, Cowboys won uh, 28-13. Emmett rushed for a buck 67. Hell yeah. I feel like that was Dion's first game as a Cowboy. I'm not sure, though. Any event, uh, we go to Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. The Battle of Slowhio. The Browns and the Bengals, Steve. Oh, God. Good. Oh, fest. Oof. <sighs> Um, let's say Bengals. Okay, JR. Yeah, I mean, both teams are pretty trash, I think, at this point. Um, oh, yeah. And it was the Browns' final year. Uh, I guess you just go home teams. So I'll, I'll go Bengals. All right. Uh, who is this guy for the Browns before I get it wrong? <laughs> Eric Sire. Eric Sire. What do you think Berman's call was on primetime tonight? Eric Sire, your whole family or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He threw for 310 yards. The Browns Jesus. win in overtime. Wow. 29-26. Andre Bad Moon Rising for that cup of coffee he was in Cleveland. Uh, he hit 173 yards receiving. Next, we go to the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, where the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets took on the Colts, JR. Uh, not a good year for the Jets, so I'm going to take Indy here. Steve? Uh, let's go Indy. All right. Bubby throws for a buck 54. My grandma? Uh, do, you remember, do you remember your tailback, JR? Uh, AJ Morrell? Correct. He threw, rushed for a whopping 68 yards. Colts win 17 10. We go to the uh, Silverdome in Pontiac. Uh, the Lions hosting the Packers, Steve. Uh, fuck both these teams. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to say since it was in Detroit, uh, I'll go with the Lions. Okay. So we're 95-96, so Green Bay is coming on. Detroit's starting to fade. I'm going to say the Packers win this. Uh, a couple of difference. couple of future Hall of Famers. Brett Favre threw for okay. 304. Barry Sanders, not Adrian Morrell, rushed for a buck 67. The Lions win. 20 Let's go. Fuck you, Green Bay. 24-16. Next, we go to uh, Foxborough Stadium. Or, I don't, yeah, it's not Sullivan City anymore. A future Super Bowl matchup here is the New England Patriots host the Carolina Panthers, JR. Oof. Um, I'll take New England. Right. See? I don't know anything about the Panthers at this time. Uh, I'll go it's New England. It's the first year. <laughs> yeah, I'll go New England just because of that. Uh, Kerry Collins threw for 309. <laughs> uh, who is this tailback? Derek Moore rushed for a buck 19 for the Panthers. They win in overtime, twenty oh, wow. to seventeen. Oh, second with that, fuck the pass. Yeah. Uh, we go to the vet, that toilet in Philly, where the trash bag Eagles host the St. Louis Rams. Steve, uh, Eagles. Yeah, I'll take Philly. Sadly, those butt fuckers they win twenty to nine. This is a bad year for the Rams. Of course, first year in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. they're awful for the next few years. All right, let's go to Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh. The Steelers hosting the other. Uh, expansion team the jacksonville jaguars uh jr i will take pittsburgh here steve never doubt shad khan was shad khan in involved with the jaguars i'm just kidding uh steelers uh yes jags win uh jacks win steelers win 24 to 7 uh god these names uh brunel of course was the quarterback the tailback for the steelers eric pegram no he rushed for 84 yards and yancey thigpen had 87 yards receiving all right, let's go. Eric Pegram's gin. <laughs> they probably did do that, no doubt. Um, unless, of course, ESPN had another gin and they probably would have gotten some. Anyway, um, let's go to Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. The Cardinals hosting the Seahawks. Uh, Steve. Oh, Cardinals hosting the Seahawks. Uh, shit teams playing this week. Mm. Jesus. Um, it was in Arizona? Yes, in Phoenix, in uh, Tempe. They uh, just... to Glendale had no built yet. I'll just go Seahawks. Yeah, I'll take Seattle. Quarterback of the uh, Seahawks, John Freeze. Mm. Through for 205. Uh, who's this for the for the, the running back? Who's this? Uh, Chris Warren rushed oh, okay. for 27. Before he did the DX song. <laughs> yes. But the Cardinals win in overtime, 20 to 14. Oh, oh, our third third loss. <laughs> David, Mr. Freeze. Very <laughs> Very um, and games between a bunch of losers. This is a bad week. Like, I mean, I look at two weeks ago, me and Bennett went 14-13. Steve, we may – I don't know if we're even going to sniff double digits here. Well, let's go down to uh, Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami. The Dolphins hosting the Buffalo Bills, uh, JR. Uh, both teams feel about the same at this point. I'm going to take Miami at home. Okay. Steve? Uh, Miami at home. Uh, Dan Marino throws for 232. Speaking of Chris Berman, he used to say Bernie Pomley. Throw rushes for 83 yards. Dolphins win 23 to 6. Nice. Uh, boy, the Bills like fell off like bad. Yeah, they went quick. They went, okay. We're almost to Flutie time for them. The next Pretty, couple yeah, years. three years, I think, right? Um, all right, let's go to the Astrodome in Houston. Last year there. Oilers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, battle of two awesome uniforms. God, did, did they put every shit team against each other this year? <laughs> I know, right? Like, it's like our fifth game where like both teams fucking suck. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Steve? My turn here. Uh, yeah. I'm just going home team on this, Houston. Yeah, JR. Yeah, Houston. Yes. 
Uh, of course, both these teams will have their awesome uh, uniforms come back this year. Chris Chandler throws for 167. Who the hell is the running back for the Oilers? It's uh, Rodney Thomas rushes oh, for 89 yards. And the uh, Oilers win 19-7. to Oof, these games are garbage. Uh, oh, God, speaking of garbage. Oof, God. Um, we go to Candlestick Park in San Francisco where the defending world champion 49ers host the New Orleans Saints. Uh, JR. That would be the Niners. Yeah, definitely. The bet it was here, you would tell us every play of the game, but I'm going to go. Well, based on the score, there probably wasn't much. Elvis Gerback was playing. That might tell you something. He threw for 243. Your final score, Saints 11, Niners 7. <laughs> oh, my God. What the <laughs> hell is that? Even the defending world champions looked like hot shit. But they were still good in that year, weren't they? Yeah, oh, yeah, they absolutely they were. were. But for some reason, I guess Steve, Steve Young didn't play. He was hurt. I mean, Jerry had 108 yards receiving, but Gerback Who started. out Elvis Gerback. What a Sunday week. night, Sunday night football from RFK. Uh, is it still RFK? Yeah, they don't move to. Uh, when do they move to FedEx? A couple years after this, the Washington Redacteds host the New York Football Giants. Uh, Steve, both these teams suck, don't they? Mm-hmm. Every apparently every team sucks. <laughs> None of these teams are any good. Uh, let's go Washington just because of the home. I'm just going to stick to the home on these sucky teams. Right. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the Hogs. All right, well, Gus Ferrat threw for 345, but the Giants win 24 15. Did he headbutt the wall after the game? Well, these defenses suck, but they win games. Guess what, Steve? There's one team I haven't mentioned yet. I was going to say the Bears haven't been mentioned yet. Monday Night Football from the Homer Dome in Minneapolis, the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. JR. Um, I'll take the Vikings. I Bears especially around this time, notoriously bad on Monday night. So I'm going to go Vikings. Warren Moon threw for 252. Your running back, Robert Green, mm. rushed for a whopping 38 yards. Oh, yeah. But the Bears win 14-6. My God. What a bad week. 7-6, <laughs> Steve Willie. You win the week. Wow. Um, not not good week. That's, I like Rocco it. lost with seven last week. Me and I actually these the thought – because this is still, this is like, you know, college time, high school time, like all in on sports. I thought I was going to do much better. Yeah, this is, that's garbage. Oh, me too. I mean, well, I've been doing well. Like I, I remember this season, but this week was just a lot of bad teams playing bad teams in this week. It seems yeah, like so it was. So it was a hard one. And my original hard. thought was, uh, I forgot how it worked. I thought it was going to be 2009 and I'm going to be like, I'm just going to be, oh, yeah, coins, yeah, be yeah. flipping coins for that. All right, so uh, let's go to hockey. The NHL season got started. Uh, your defending world champions are the Devils. Uh, some neat. Some we have some uh, expansion teams. Well, no, we don't. Teams that are just starting. A team moved, and they're off to a good start. Uh, let's see. Our Whalers Jr. lose to St. Louis four to two. Your team was not playing on this evening, but they're in first place. Blackhawks out of the gate very early in the season. Eleven points leading the Central. Uh, Colorado, of course, the new Quebec Nordiques tied with the Kings with 11 points in the Pacific flyers lead the Atlantic with 13 and the whalers. Yes. Lead the Northeast with nine. That of course, uh, is not going to last. So, <laughs> and finally, uh, on this night, October 25th, 1995, I like the fact JR that our shows kind of line up on the nights that this show is airing. Um, we go to the 151st. Overall episode and the seventh 
of the 19 of season six of Beverly Hills 90210. The episode was called Violated. Valerie accepts her marketing professor's invitation to a seminar. They have a drink afterwards. And the man tries to come on to her, of course, because it's Valerie. He gives her a D on a midterm essay that he had seemed to like earlier. And Val suspects that he is punishing her for not putting out. David and Susan encourage Valerie to file a complaint. Val backs down because she fears that the investigation will expose embarrassing information about her sordid personal life. Mm. Meanwhile, Susan works on an expose for the Condor. Several of Professor Haywood's past victims come forward and he is forced to resign. Meanwhile, Bruno, Bruno delivers a letter from Dylan to Tony and the couple eventually reunite. Marchette sees Tony and Dylan on campus together and becomes furious. Mm -hmm. Tony ignores her father's ultimatum and decides to move in with Dylan. Going down that road. Kelly cuts Colin loose, thank God, because he was a dick, after learning that he acts as Claudia's concubine in exchange for financial backing. Coke flies. Steve and Claire quarrel after booking a motel room. He mistakenly assumes that she is responsible for some handcuffs and other sexy items that were left there, and she's offended by his thinking. Sexy Donna items. <laughs> Donna resists Ray's re relentless attempts at a reconciliation. So not really a very memorable episode of the, uh, of the show. Um, yeah. Well, typical Valerie in her sordid past and uh, just hated Colin so much. What a fuck. Yeah. Um, we're starting to hit like six into seven. When Dylan's gone, things start to get a little, little rough um yes we will get to that uh actually jr that'll be coming up i believe our next episode i think yeah. uh our next our guest for that episode will probably enjoy it so it starts uh, a little, little darker as little, uh, it does see, yeah well, you, you needed to switch to the party of five recap <laughs> by that point, yes. well party five and, and even by this point melrose place was actually much more uplifting in that aspect but then of course that's very different from where we are on 902 and no so every three weeks you can yes. search that up not to know so on the so feed myself and Tim Capel on a guest every three weeks going through the history of 90210. We are currently nearing the back end of season two. So much uh, better episodes than that. Stretch, yes. So. Yes. Uh, and that is your pop culture corner. All right. So why don't we go ahead and fast forward 14 years. Is it is time to talk bragging rights 2009. <laughs> October 25th in the Mellon Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 13,562 in attendance, 181,000 buys. The debut edition of Bragging Rights, the focus was a series of interpromotional matches to determine whether Raw or SmackDown was a superior brand. It was Pennsylvania's 16th pay-per-view, third all-time behind California and New York. It'll be the sixth in Pittsburgh and the first since Armageddon 2007. And, of course, be the home to Rumble 2014, where Steve Willing, you and I hung out. Mm -hmm. Well, it was more like you and the ghost of me, but we were there. <laughs> yes. I think it was, that was, was it a different building by that point? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's the new one. This is the I, last I was thing. waiting for the Google read, Scott, or the Wikipedia <laughs> I, I thought read. I, put, I thought I added it to Steve's notes, but I guess It's I right did. here. It's right here. I was about to get to it. Bragging oh, Rights yeah. is the final pay-per-view at Mellon Arena. 
The arena was demolished to make way for Console Energy Arena, opened August 18th, 2010. The final televised event, technically at Mellon, was the May 10th, 2010 Raw uh, was held there. So there you go. On October 5th, Ben Roethlisberger served as the guest host of Raw to hype the show. The next day, released the Unauthorized History of DX book. This is very exciting. On 10-9 SmackDown was Jim Ross's final show as a full-time play-by-play announcer. Hmm. Forces highlights due to his third bout of Bell's Palsy. It's kind of the forgotten Bell's Palsy bout for him um, that took him took him out. Right. And uh, pretty much for good, really. On October 12th, Raw, Nancy O'Dell and Maria Menounos served as the co-guest hosts. Uh, two days later, on the 14th, Captain Lou Albano passed away at the age of 16. Uh, the next day, SmackDown and ECW began a week-long... 76. What did I say? What did I say? 16. 16. 16. That's the amount of life Koki did at uh, Butcher Vachon's oh, wedding Lord. TNT. <laughs> How many years a rubber band was found yeah. in his hair? So much blowy. Shitty fucking managing. Yeah. This is a big fat sloppy pig. How many tag teams he hopped on? Oh, yeah. Glommed onto the glory. Yep. So he's uh, dead. I was looking at this. October 16th, Shane McMahon announced his resignation oh. as, uh, from Dodie as executive vice president of global media. And I believe. That was like a pretty big story at the time when because everyone just assumed like Shane's the guy for a long time. And then as Triple H gained more and more power in the company and Stephanie did, it became obvious it was not going to be Shane. It was going to be her and uh, Hunter that were going to be running the show. So he takes off. And I think he's gone until the 2016 when he comes back yeah. um, in, the, in the early for the Vince McMahon award or whatever. And then he has the hell of a sell with Taker. I think he's gone now until then. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty long run. He's away from the company. On October 19th, Snoop Dogg was the guest host, and a day later, SmackDown vs. Raw 2010 was released on the following systems. PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, the Wii, the PSP, and the Xbox 360. Huh. So there you go on that. Uh, all right, we had one dark match on this evening. Christian took on Paul Burchill. And then dark. that brings us to our opening match of the evening, and that is John Morrison representing SmackDown, taking on The Miz representing raw scott how did we get to this battle of former friends well uh jr and steve on the 10-5 raw the miz went to guest host ben big ben roethlisberger and asked for one more shot at the u.s title which roethlisberger agreed to but said that if miz lost he would have to tell everyone that he was awful instead of awesome which he of course started doing that gig uh, Miz would end up defeating Kofi to win the u.s title and of course declare that he was awesome which would of course be his catchphrase from here on out the following week on 10-12, Miz cut a promo announcing he'd be facing Morrison at the pay-per-view and said Morrison was nothing but a hairdo with abs. On the 10-15 Superstars, Miz would cost Morrison a match against CM Punk. On the 10-16 SmackDown, Miz and Morrison would bring back the dirt sheet and they would insult each other and their brands as both referred to each other as the Marty Jannetty of their team and Morrison would declare Miz to hit him only for Miz to walk away. On the 10-19 Raw, Miz was forced to face a mystery opponent per guest host Snoop Dogg and the opponent was revealed to be Marty Jannetty, though Miz would, would win the match. I barely remember that. Uh, on the, I remember I only remember Marty when him and Sean did that quick rockers thing. What was that, 2005 or six? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's the last time I don't remember this. On this, the tenth, this might be his last appearance. I don't. I can't imagine he was on past this. I, I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think so either. And on the 10-23 SmackDown, Morrison defeated Mike Knox in a non-title match and cut a promo on facing Miz at the PPB. Wow, and that brings us here. Mike Knox still showing up on NWA <laughs> yes. from time to time, right? Yeah, he's, yes, he still is now. <laughs> mm. 
I heard he's the top top two contender for the titles. So uh, well, <laughs> tag team titles, yes. <laughs> it might be more. Who knows? Better than what they have now. So anyway. All right. Uh, so just a couple of notes here. We have a pretty cool split ropes. It's like half red and half blue across all three. I thought that was kind of cool looking. Mm. And uh, our commentators for the night are Todd Grisham, Michael Cole, and Jerry the King Lawler. They let us know right off the top that Jim Ross is ill at home and missing the show. So as we mentioned off the top. Miz is out with the U.S. title. It's our first official bragging rights match as the old tag team comes to head. I see Champ Morrison. And again, a pretty good angle that you chronicled where Miz is trying to prove that Morrison is the uh, Mizzy Gennetti or uh, this uh, Marginetti and Morrison called the Mizzy Gennetti. Uh, we see Team Raw watching backstage. Morrison keeps Miz off balance, runs through a quick flurry of offense. We get some talk about Miz's attitude and Morrison's rise. Miz lands a kick, cranks a headlock, gets into some strikes. Miz slugs Morrison down, throws him outside to booze. Morrison's back. He dodges a knee lift. He knocks Miz to the floor. We see Team SmackDown backstage as Morrison controls until Miz blocks a head scissors and knocks Morrison to the floor. Miz kicks away in the ring and starts to target the upper back with an attack, mixing strikes and submissions. Morrison punches out of a chin lock, gets two on a pair of roll-ups. Then they trade kicks until Morrison knocks him down and follows with some forearms and a spin kick. They trade near falls until Morrison gets a kick off the top rope for a really great near fall. Miz bails outside. Morrison meets him with a corkscrew plancha. Back inside, Miz lands a hard punch off the top. Tries a skull-crushing finale, but Morrison slips free and hits a side leg sweep. He tries Starship Pain, but Miz pops up and knocks him to the mat and steals the win. Uh, this is a perfect little opener for these two guys. They hummed along with a very focused match. It wasn't amped up, but it was on point. They kind of kept to their lanes, and the crowd stayed with them. I think both guys have grown quite a bit over the past few years and continue to be solid pieces. Miz has come a long way, Scott, over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a big win for him to open the pay-per-view over Morrison. And uh, Team Raw gets on the board. So I went three stars for this opening match. Uh, yes, I uh, I like this match, actually. Uh, we see Miz finally kind of grow up, um, you know, out of that, you know, the 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 needle, you know, the the – the you know the hat and the, all that kind of crap and the yeah he's, he switched his gear to more real safety pins and all that kind of real jazz. Look, right yeah um, and and kind and, of the yeah, the real worldish you know, the real world yeah on. that's that's gone and he's you know he's got right he's got the tights you know and and boots that we would obviously get accustomed to him wearing for the rest of or up to this point in his career um I thought it was a good match uh I like uh I like both both these guys and I think they're both um maturing i think them as a tag team together was a smart move help both of them particularly particularly um uh miz because morrison kind of had gotten to that point with the um uh you know with the the uh being a singles guy being ecw champion so he he was kind of at that point already this was more helping miz uh i approve of it i thought it was a great match um I thought it was a good opener, Steve. I thought they worked well together, and the uh, crowd was getting hot for it. They're both guys that uh, that the fans both love and hate, so that was a good start. Yeah, I was a little worried at the beginning that, you know, there's been plenty of times where tag team partners split and then go against each other, and they don't have that great chemistry when they're one-on-one together, but I thought this was actually surprised me a little bit for how decent it was. Uh, I was hoping that Morrison would do a little bit more of his parkour stuff that he added on a couple of years later. I, I thought he had already done some of that at this point because uh, that just made him look a, a little bit different, stand out a little bit more 
uh, the announcing for me on this one for this match, really the first couple matches, mm-hmm. then I thought it really they really started to get the flow going. It was just that combo of Cole and Grisham. They were totally reading off notes. They actually repeated the statement. What do you think these guys will all feel like facing each other in the locker room? Grisham <laughs> read it word for word, and then Cole read it word for word later on. Right. <laughs> so I, I was worried it was going to get pretty bad, but um, and I, I'll mention a surprise that I had later on in terms of the announcing. But yeah, overall, it was, it was fine. Um, nothing spectacular, but a nice little opener. Miz, God, just... I haven't watched much of this era at all. And Miz just looks like a little baby face mm-hmm. just in terms yeah. of not, not his personality, but just looks like a kid. Yeah. So yep. young. Yeah. Yeah. Although he's aged well. I'll say yeah, that. He's... <laughs> he's doing okay. If you would have said back then in like 2009 or eight, even like this guy would still be around in 23 married to Maurice, like mm-hmm. multi-time champion and workhorse be crazy. Uh, King and Cole troll Grisham about the band brand battle. Take us to highlights start to hype the main event, including a full Team SmackDown overhaul by Teddy Long right before the pay-per-view. Cody Rhodes is backstage with the trainer bragging up Raw's clean sweep, but R-Truth comes in and they shit talk. Kind of usual force brand argument bullshit that they do on these things. Big Show comes in and says, Truth must have learned a lot from Jericho, but on Raw they do things differently. <laughs> we don't trash talk, even though Cody Rhodes started it. So stupid. I... I, I I like the concept of the brands. I always been a fan of it, but I hate the forced brand warfare that they do like once or twice a year where suddenly they're yep. all repping their team and all this other shit. Like it just yep. always bugged me. Um, all right. Up next, we have our ladies in action as Michelle, Natalia and Beth Phoenix take on Melina, Kelly, Kelly and Gail Kim Scott. How do we get to this six women affair? Well, on the 10, five raw, Mickey James, Maria, Eve, Melina, Kelly and the Bellas defeat McCool uh, Michelle McCool, Natalia, Beth Phoenix, Alicia Fuchs, Jillian Hall, Rosa Mendez, and Layla in a 14 diva tag where all the divas were dressed as football players. Mm. Of course, it was the Ben episode. On the 10 12 Raw, Hall defeated James to win the divas title, only for Nancy O'Dell to announce there was a major trade as Hall would immediately defend the title against Raw's newest diva. Molina would come out and defeat her to win the Divas title. On the 10-19, Raw, Melina defeated Hall in a rematch to retain the title as it was announced that she would team with Kelly and Kim to face McCool, Phoenix, and Natalia at the pay-per-view. Wow. So Melina was on this team for two and Raw for about two weeks? Yep. Much. And repping hard for yeah. her brand. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Diehard loyalty. Uh, Michelle, Natalia, and Beth come out. Another bragging rights match. Grish says Beth moved to SmackDown in that big trade. Michelle blocked Mickey from making the team. Melina was also part of that trade like we just talked about. Won the, won the Raw title. Uh, Beth and Gail start us up. Gail tries to go to the air. Beth uses her power to counter. Natty tags in and throws Gail around. But Gail escapes. It's a nice spear to the corner. Kelly tags in, tosses some punches, gets a flying head scissors, but Natty counters a roll-up with a nasty stun gun. Natty takes Kelly to the corner. They trap her there and beat on her. Michelle comes in and hammers away. Then we get some quick tags. Kelly gets a jawbreaker on Beth, tags Melina, who comes in hot. Melina has Beth rolled up. The ref is tied up, and Beth survives. Melina gets a tilt the world for two, and then things break down with all six battling. Beth and Melina botch a snake eyes, and Beth finishes with a glam slam. 
This is fine. Uh, the rebuilt division continues to legitimize itself. Six good performers. They know their roles. Uh, working within their lane again, just like the opener. The crowd was into it. SmackDown ties up the war. Beth continues to look dominant, setting up a potential title battle with Michelle. Steve, I went two and a quarter. The women's division continues to definitely improve uh, month by month here. Yeah, I went about two stars. I thought Beth Phoenix looked fantastic. Um, I, I'm not sure I wanted Michelle McCool being the one to lead my lead the charge uh for smackdown but she is the champion so mm -hmm. uh i get that completely forgot about gail kim's run here i'm a huge fan of hers well, uh, this is her second one right was this after she had already been in tna once and then she yeah came back yeah yeah she came back and she was i don't think she was around for that long no they don't really use her much at all which is unfortunate because she's really fantastic but just uh just doesn't well this is what leads to all her. like the the hard feelings right isn't this when they Put the stuff in the trash bag or all that. Wasn't that around this time? Was that her? Or that was Mickey with the That trash was Mickey bag. James, yeah. Right. But Gail, this definitely leads to a lot of ill will with Gail, the way this run goes and ends, I believe. Yeah. Just a... I don't know. I'm not... I wasn't expecting much for this one mm -hmm. either. Uh, but yeah, big big fan of Beth Phoenix. Big fan of Gail Kim. Uh, Kelly Kelly, little wardrobe problems during the match. And the Snake Eyes, I don't even know if that was supposed to be missed or not supposed <laughs> right. to be missed. I, I really wasn't sure what was going on there, but uh, Beth did a great job of just covering it up and grabbing, grabbing uh, her for the glam slam. Yeah, I mean, this was fine. I gave it two stars. Uh, the, the division is getting better. Uh, you know, JR and I have been saying the whole year, Beth Phoenix is the anchor. Um, they get, you know, Michelle is getting better and better. Natalia at the time is not what Natalia, I guess, is now. Um so it's it's getting there, but it's still very shallow of talent and still not taken as seriously as it should. But, I mean, it's a fine match. You know, it's good for what it is. It was in a good spot because there's some more, you know, more kind of serious, intense stuff coming up. But this was fine. And, you know, Molina's fine. The division is getting better. I mean, it definitely is better even than going back to the earlier in the year with the, Sant you know, Santina shit and all that. So, at least the division's better now than it was even at WrestleMania time. So that's a good thing to know too, that, that it's, you know, as we get into 2010, mm -hmm. uh, the division is getting better and better, but uh, the match is fine. And uh, you know, crowd seemed into it and everybody worked hard. All right. <clears throat> Hunter Hearst Helmsley now knows triple H and Shawn Michaels rally. The wrestler team raw backstage. Jack Swagger wants no part of it. Sean and Hunter talk about respect. Hunter says they've been making fun of Mark Henry about how he almost had a baby with Mae Young, and poor Mark is sad about it. Hunter runs through all the bad stuff the group has done to each other, including exposing Kofi as a phony Jamaican. Kofi tries to explain it all away. Sean threatens to replace Swagger. We get a Hornswoggle cameo. Um, this was funny. It was also kind of <laughs> sad. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah. Fine. All right. Next up, we have a World Heavyweight Championship match. We get a video package for that. And that leads us to our four-way battle for the gold as The Undertaker takes on Batista, CM Punk, and Rey Mysterio. Scott, how do these top contenders find their way into this match? Uh, so, on the 10-9 SmackDown, GM Teddy Long congratulated Taker on his win at Hell in a Cell. Only for CM Punk to interrupt and demanding a submission match against Taker with Scott Armstrong as the ref, but then Vince McMahon would come out and announce Taker would face Punk, Batista, and Rey Mysterio at the pay-per-view. Taker would cut a promo on facing all three men, and in the main event, Punk defeated Batista by countout, only for Batista to give him the Batista bomb after the match. 
On the 10-16 SmackDown, Vince and Punk had a meeting where Vince agreed to Punk's request from the previous week. And in the main event, Mysterio defeated Batista, even though Batista seemed to kick out at two. He would argue with the ref before raising Mysterio's arm in victory, but then Punk came out of the crowd and gave Mysterio the go to sleep. And on the 10-23 SmackDown, Punk met with Long and Armstrong backstage, as Armstrong said he wouldn't do Punk's dirty work only for Vince to come in and take Armstrong into a private meeting. And later that night, Batista and Mysterio would defeat Chris Jericho and Kane in a tag match. In the main event, Taker faced Punk in a submission match with Long at ringside and Armstrong as the ref, but Taker would take Armstrong out and would defeat Punk to retain the title. That's a lot to keep up with. Dirty work no more. (laughs) Fool. It is a lot. Uh, There's been a lot going on. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but a cool match. The four top guys. It feels kind of fresh, um, even though a lot of them, I mean, Batista has been in the world title picture consistently for a while. Uh, Punk and Taker had a not so great little mini feud. I like the insertion of Ray here. He's having a great year. He, he deserves it. May the most out of all four. Uh, a lot of booze for Punk. A big pop for Batista. Taker, as usual, 10th entrance. It's kind of shot like a movie here. I thought it was interesting the way they hmm. presented it. Felt a little I agree. Uh, Punk takes out Ray off the bell. He baits Batista to chase him. The strikes start flowing from there. Punk tries to keep sticking and moving. Uses his strategy, but Taker flings him over the top, and Ray meets him with a seated senton. Batista and Taker reignite their classic feud, and Ray pops in and kicks Taker outside. Taker returns and mows down Ray with a boop. Hot start. All four rotate through strikes and cleaning the ring out with nobody having sustained control. Ray hits a nice top rope splash, but gets whipped right outside just as Batista heats up. Fires up the crowd, but turns into a Taker boop. Ray flies off the top, but Taker catches him. Batista saves with a spear. Batista and Ray stare each other down, then work together against Taker. Cut through him for a near fall on Batista's spinebuster. Punk makes a save. Punk catches Ray off the top of the go to sleep, but Batista makes a save on that. Batista turns and Taker traps him to Hell's Gate. Punk breaks that up, slugs away. Taker blocks a running knee and splatters him with a last ride, but Batista makes a save. Batista and Taker have a bomb fest until Taker choke slams. Punk breaks it up. Taker slings Punk outside, tries to tombstone Batista. Batista slides out, hits a Batista bomb. Ray breaks up the pin. Batista shoves Ray off and starts barking at Ray for costing him. Batista says, Ray is supposed to be my friend, and then throws <laughs> Ray to the floor. Taker chokeslams Batista for two. They wipe each other out, leading to a Punk near fall. Ray tries to jump at Batista, but Batista catches him and throws him at the Punk on the floor. He turns around and walks into a tombstone, and Undertaker gets the win. Josh Matthews then gets in the ring. He tries to talk to Batista and Ray about coming so close to the title. Ray says him and Batista did their best and tells Batista they tried. He gives him a hug. Ray says they were both so close, but it just didn't work out. Josh asks Ray when things slipped away, and he says every man for himself, and they're still standing. Batista says he feels uh, and asks Ray if they were that close. He's kind of laughing a bit. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we were close. You feel we're close. And he asks the fans if they were close, and Batista says we weren't close. He thinks you think you were close. But I think uh, I'm tired of coming this close, and I'm tired of my best friend stabbing me in the back. Ray's a little shook, and Batista says he's not playing. And then in one of the greatest heel turns in company history, he says, I'm going to rip your head off right now. So good. Laughs maniacally and just murders him with a clothesline. Kicks him violently to the floor. Ray begs for mercy as Batista says, Ray was supposed to be my friend. He's like, come on, come on, Batista. He was supposed to be my friend. You're hurting me. And then just viciously whips him into the barricade, kicks him, and walks off. Uh, the law, live audio wrestling used to play that clip all the time as a drop on their show. You're supposed to be my friend. Uh, so I, it's a bird in my skull. Uh, great nonstop pace here. Everything flowed from one move to the next. Smooth. A lot of big spots and bombs. No slow sections at all. It's a sprint. A lot of covers and saves. The, the vibe was up. Uh, leaves room for more matches between all these guys as well. 
Taker retains and rolls on as champion. Batista finally has had it with all these losses. And I like it because we all we've talked about Scott for like years here. It's like this guy keeps getting these fucking subtle shots and losing. So him finally having enough and destroying his friendship uh, in, in a split second was really well done. Um, th- that finish bumped the grade for me as well. It's one of the best heel turns the company's ever done. Uh, and kudos to Batista and Ray for pulling it off. I went three and three quarter stars. Really good match and a great moment. I agree 100%. I gave it three and a half. Uh, the match itself is really good. Uh, I like Taker's champion because I feel like we're not used to that a lot. Where Taker gets like, you know, the last time he had a belt was, well, I guess, well, I guess a year before. I guess he's won it three straight years. But this one feels different because usually Taker, like 07 and 08, he's focused on one guy. In 07, it was Batista. And in 08, it was Edge. Now he's kind of facing like other guys and he's kind of moving around as champion, which Taker's, I don't think he's done that since like, what, 97, it seems like. So um, I thought it was great. It was a great match, but it, it, it was time. It was time. Batista getting like constant, constant title shots against Edge and all these guys and getting DQ'd and, and winning by DQ and count outs and, you know, roll, getting rolled up and grabbing title. Like just all, every, there was every possible way that Batista could lose in the last like year and a half he has. So it makes perfect sense for Batista to be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. I've had it with carrying everybody's fucking sloppy ass. It's time for me to be the Batista pre 05. And, um, but now with a little, with a little edge and, um, and uh, that's what he does. And he just, I mean, and Ray to raise credit. I mean, he just, he took it. I mean, he just got obliterated. Perfect guy for Batista to turn on because he could just chuck him all over the place. And kudos to Ray for taking some serious shots. Like getting, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm surprised his rib, he didn't spit his ribs up after getting chucked into the barricade like three times and kicked. So uh, I thought it was great, Steve. I thought the match was really good. I like seeing Taker's champion facing like other guys, but Batista just was ready to get the, the ripcord pulled and just be an absolute son of a bitch. It was good timing. Great timing. And, and not only is it a great turn, it's about to kick off like, an all-time heel run as well. So Yes. Yep. Yeah, this was kind of a hidden gem for me. I didn't really, especially placed right smack dab in the middle of the card. Uh, I went, well, I was going to go three and three quarters, but I'd actually up it to four if, wow. I would, if I would continue, if I would add in the post-match, which, I mean, except for Josh Matthews, just doing a horrible job with that. Uh, it, the prelim of everything with the, the video package, I guess Taker's gimmick was that he wanted to eat everybody's souls. And then they called CM Punk the Elliot Ness of SmackDown, which I didn't quite understand outside of him being in Chicago and right. doing the uh, the extra work for the WrestleMania in Chicago. But after the strangeness of the beginning, like you said, Justin, it just went and went mm-hmm. and went. Um, a, 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 like a sprint, but a 10-minute sprint. Uh, there was never any slow parts um, compared to the next match that we'll talk about. Uh and you think with you there would be with Taker and Batista, two big guys are going to need to take a blow once in a while. Uh, my favorite spot of the match was the uh, Ray coming off with trying to do the Rana to Taker, Taker catching him, which you know I figured that was going to happen, and put him in the last ride, and and then Batista coming out of nowhere with the spear. I kind of popped for that that one, but uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I couldn't believe it was only ten minutes. It felt lo- it felt longer in the best possible way. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's, you know, on this kind of forgotten show, like an all-time moment for sure. Oh, yeah, and so the good. Batista part. Mm-hmm. Just uh, 
I, a little bit of uh, his acting ability coming out that yeah, little, yeah. years later. Yeah, I mean he's we've we've enjoyed Batista, right? Scott? But but oh yeah, it's, definitely. It's, it's felt stale for sure. Like he needed a jump start, and this is a great way to do it. And yeah, I mean this is his go home stretch. Like he's done in what May June. or whatever, April May somewhere in there. Yeah, when he does June. the Last Man Standing with Cena, and he gets thrown off the thing or whatever. Um, but he's you know he's basically does Hollywood rock right <laughs> during the straight it's Hollywood Dave, you know fat chicks and kissing babies and all that stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll be covering it, but it's definitely was needed change. For <laughs> chicks, I forgot about that. All right. We get a bragging rights, finals tale of the tape raw away SmackDown by 400 pounds. Uh, then we get a montage of different fans giving predictions for this match. And that is team raw versus team SmackDown. Scott, uh, this went through a, a flurry of changes and uh, the build along the way has been to a lot of twists and turns. Yes. So we do have uh, a couple of uh, debuts here, though. Um, the Hart Dynasty, who we've kind of alluded to on some of the notes, but I think it's the first time we actually see them. Um, Tyson Kidd and David Hart Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, TJ Wilson trained in the Dungeon of Calgary and also competed in Japan and Canada as the Stampede Kid. And he would work the indie scene before signing with WWE in 2006. He'd work in Deep South and FCW, where he won numerous titles for making his main roster debut earlier in the year uh, in ECW under the name Tyson Kidd. Baby Bulldog is the son of Davey Boy. Davey Boy. And he trained under the, his father in 1994. And he would work in Canada and Japan before also signing with WWE in 2006. Would also go to Deep South and FCW while making a few appearances on the main roster as D.H. Smith. And he would join the main roster full-time in the spring as David Hart Smith reformed the Hart Dynasty with Kid and Natalia. Were they married at that point? Tyson Kidd and Natalia? Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't think so. so, but they were together for a very, very long time. Pretty much, yeah. Like this. Remember from uh Total Divas doing Total Divas, as uh Andrew Rich once called it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um so on the 10-5 Raw. Uh, guess, uh, Big Ben, still the host, cuts a promo until Jarrah's show interrupted him and insulted him until the Steelers' offensive line came out to defend Roethlisberger, and DX would then come out and challenge Jarrah's show to a match in which they accepted. Probably the last time this, somebody blocked for him well. In the main event, DX defeated Jarrah's show in a non-title match when the Steelers helped DX win, and that same night it was announced that the winners of the Raw matches at bragging rights would face the winners of the SmackDown matches in the main event of the pay-per-view. On the 10-12 Raw, Jericho announced that he would be the captain of Team SmackDown as Jericho had a confrontation with DX, who declared themselves the team captains of Raw, and they would stir some dissension between Jericho as they announced qualifying matches that night with the winners joining the team. Show would defeat Jericho by countout. Rhodes defeated Ted DiBiase and John Cena in a triple threat match. Swagger defeated MVP, and Kingston defeated Evan Bourne to qualify for the team. On the 10-15 superstars, Henry defeated Chris Masters. I forgot was still in the company. During the final for the first final spot on Team Raw. Uh, on the 10-16 SmackDown, Jericho cut a promo on DX as Kane came out and declared himself co-captain of Team SmackDown with Jericho. And in qualifying matches, Dolph Ziggler defeated Mike Knox and Finley in a triple threat. Crime time defeated oh Jesus, defeated the Hart Dynasty. Eric Escobar <laughs> defeated Matt Hardy. What the fuck? And <laughs> Drew McIntyre defeated our truth. On the 10-19 Raw, I forgot about Eric Escobar. Team Raw would cut a promo insulting Team SmackDown, only start arguing with each other until Kingston uh, 
said they had to come together, and Triple H would infamously call out Kingston for dropping the Jamaican accent, and DX declared that the team would face five opponents in a 10-man tag with stipulation that if the opponents won, they would take the spots. Show, Rhodes, Swagger, Kingston, and Henry would defeat MVP, Bourne, Masters, Chavo, and Primo to retain their spots. And in the main event, Michaels fought to a no contest when Team SmackDown would come out of the crowd and they would brawl with Team Raw to close the show out. On the 1023 SmackDown, Team SmackDown cut a promo on facing Team Raw, only to argue with each other, similar to Raw. And Jericho and Kane announced the team would face the five men they defeated in a handicap match as Shad was out with the flu. The Hart Dynasty, Finley, Truth, and Matt would defeat JTG, Escobar, Ziggler, and McIntyre to take their spots in the Bragging Rights main event. What? A mess. Yes. They, uh, I don't know if they just felt like they wanted to do something different or they just didn't like the build and wanted to mix things up or if that was the plan all along. I have no idea. But Teddy Long's been a walking disaster for the last couple months <laughs> as GM. We know that. Uh, but a supercharged and loaded match for the cup. DX is out first. They do the full entrance. And then the rest of the jobbers come out with their raw shirts and the raw theme. Uh, Jericho and Kane. <laughs> like NXT theme or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. It's terrible. Like Jericho and Kane get the captain's entrances on SmackDown. Then you get their same for the rest of those guys. Big spot for the hearts. Cole wonders if JR is uh, home in his blue SmackDown nightgown as we settle in. Impressive looking match. Cole and Grisham talk stats of each show. They say this will prove to be which is better. Truth and Cody start trade punches and bring some heat. Show and Kane both tag in and stare down and then throw down. Swagger's in next to get some strikes until Hardy tags in. Gets to work beating on Swagger in and out of the ring. That triggers a big face-off on the floor until the ref cleans up. Back inside, Swagger works Hardy's arm as Cole talks about the years of whispers in the SmackDown locker room. How Raw is the better show. Henry comes in, keeps working the arm, tags in Sean, who has a cutoff DX shirt draped on him with two Raw shirts as an apron. <laughs> Absurd. Mac gets a side effect. He tags Finley, who beats on Sean. Some sneaky little dream matches in here. They end up banging heads, but Sean pops up and nails sweet chin music. But Finley attacked DH, and the hearts nail Sean with a heart attack in a pretty good spot. Team SmackDown take turns beating on Sean, including uh, Jericho running through some dismissive offense. The team grinds him down. The hearts get some nice shine in here. They look good until they collide, and Sean tags Hunter to a big pop. Kane comes in, he choke slams Hunter to stop his tear, and now Hunter gets worked over a bit. So he dodges the Lions all. He tags in Kofi. He bursts through Jericho with a flurry. Kofi gets two on a trouble in paradise, and then uh, Henry comes in, cleans house. Henry gets knocked outside. He catches Truth on a Pescado, but Henry flies into both of them. Uh, Hardy, I should say, flies into both of them. Things break down. Everyone starts popping in. We get the big flurry of moves from everyone. Big Show helps Kofi go up top, but turns on him, choke slams him to the mat to help Jericho. Show then knocks out Hunter and walks off to booze. Jericho rolls over and covers Kofi to win, and Team SmackDown celebrates with the trophy, which Jericho hugs and kisses. I mean, it was a it was a fine superstar match with the, all the big names, as you'd expect. Everyone got some shine. Crowd is buzzing. Uh, classic veteran tag. They all played their roles. Some young guys got some looks in this. Uh, I'd say they left a lot of action on the table. Mm-hmm. And it could have been longer with all the talent they had. But with the main event setup, obviously, they were tight on time. And for all the insipid turns in his career, that big <laughs> show is done. Um, I didn't mind this one because it made sense that he'd want to stay sense. with Jericho. And and be united with him and his tag team partner with the belt and all that. So uh, I was okay with that. Uh, I went three and a quarter, Steve. Again, this this was like a souped up Saturday Night's Main Event style match with all the stars on display and just kind of hitting their shit, get in, get out kind of stuff. So nothing that's going to, you know, would I go rewatch it today? Probably not, but it was fine it's enough fine in the moment. moment. Yeah, I went, I went three stars. Um, 
it felt like it should be. And I know, just like you said, they were already stuck with the hour long match, but maybe they could have done this as maybe they could have done a tie somehow. Like you would disqualification had like five matches for the bragging rights to be a tie and then do this at survivor series where they could do an elimination match and let it go much further. Cause there was like that Finley HBK segment that made me want to see HBK Finley in like 15 minute, like for a 15 minute match. Yes. Like, that was like I, I was, when I made the dream match comment, that was exactly. Yeah. What I, was I, I knew exactly. I where agree. Going, Cause I thought the same exact thing. Um, but yeah, like even with the, the amount of people in there, there were several times where they just slapped on a chin lock, which is mm-hmm. kind of strange, but uh, I do like at the end of these big multi-man matches, when everyone just starts getting their, their finishers or one of their special type moves in, um, could you imagine if like Tyson Kidd pinned Sean or something like that to, <laughs> right. to, to win? Um, my, my favorite announcing moment of the night was when Michael Cole said vintage bragging rights <laughs> in the first year that they've ever done this show. I, I actually had to go up and like, well, maybe they did this as a concept on Raw one time because I knew there wasn't a pay-per-view. Nope. First time they've ever done it. Vintage. And, and yeah, the show turn made perfect sense. I don't even really know if it was much of a of a turn, to be honest. No, it really wasn't. He just kind of double crossed his team, I guess. But even then, he was. Yeah. He wasn't really like raw raw about it. He just was like, no. "Screw it!" Like, I, this is my buddy. We're tag champions. And triple. I mean, and at least Sean wore like a shirt like around his waist. Triple H didn't even bother. No, he didn't. I thought that was funny, actually. Uh, my only other comment about this was. It, like wondering if this is the absolute worst big show look with his completely shaved head and his little like chin strap mm-hmm. type thing going on. Yeah. He's not so a good crazy. one. Not as bad as the jeans as uh, Jake Williams has chronicled on with this aggressive, the <laughs> yeah. baggy jeans with the, oh, yeah. cut, but, um, but it's definitely up there for sure. And uh, those are some vintage bragging rights comments, Steve. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank it. you. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that, Steve. I thought that was pretty funny, too. Uh, I gave this three stars. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought it, you know, had some beats, and it was fun to watch all the different, uh, you know, combinations. Uh, and not just, like, the pasty big show, but but also, um, I mean, when he came back in 08 after taking, beginning of 08 after taking that time off, um, uh, we thought he was back in shape and looking good, and now he's, you know, he's back to looking, like, not, I mean, he definitely put weight back on. He, he just doesn't, he doesn't look good at all. Um, and with the, with the shaved head and no facial hair, he looks like ridiculously pasty. So, um, but yeah, I forgot about the O2 big show with the jeans and the flat top. He looks like a, he looks like a bouncer at a strip club or a fucking dock worker. So it's, it's very strange. Um, but I mean, the match was fine. I, I, I I like Jericho like clutching onto the to the cup like Christian did in 01 with uh with um Edge's King of the Ring trophy. I thought yeah, that's yeah. a similar thing. I thought it was pretty good. Um yeah, overall I thought the match was fine. Um you know I think what killed them with this is and we'll talk about it in a couple weeks, JR, with the next show, is that they do this a month later. Or it, it, so I, I still Mm-hmm. It still boggled my mind why they bothered doing this paper. It was a weird timing. It was a weird. Yeah, timing. it really was. They could have. They could have maybe like taken Survivor Series and done this as like a a, a subtitle, like Survivor Series bragging rights or something. Yeah, right. And just throw. Now you're doing the same. There. You're yeah. technically doing the same pay per view two months in a row. We'll get into that in the next show. But yeah, anyway, 
it's a fine, I thought it was a good match. You know, all the big players and good combinations. I mean, when it comes to Sean, whatever he's in, whatever match he's in with a lot of dudes, you're thinking to yourself, who could, who, who's a good look for, um, you know, what's a good look for, um, like WrestleMania or, you know, what's a good guy that he could have a, a four and a half star singles match with. You always do that. You always mm-hmm. do that with, uh, with Sean because, you know, he's that good. That's kind of what I was looking at, which is funny, but, uh, good match though. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And the, and the big show thing, it's not really a heel turn. It's more like a brand turn. And, uh, you know, cause him and Jer- Jericho had the belts. So it makes perfect sense. Can't believe he turned his back at Raw and sided with his tag team partner. <laughs> yeah, right. That's so not really, vintage bragging rights. What we really need was a nice big Samovar trophy. That would have been much better. Are <laughs> <laughs> yes. right, we get an ad for Dirty 2K10? Then we get a hype package for John Cena versus Randy Orton covering their entire history. Ooh. We go backstage where Cody Rhodes blames Kofi for their loss, says he's the weak link, and that leads to a brawl between the two. And then that brings us to our main event. The ongoing rivalry between John Cena and Randy Orton for the WWE Championship in an anything goes Iron Man match. Scott, how did we get to this stipulation? All right. Well, there is a stip besides the uh, there is a stip besides uh, the anything goes, and that is if Cena does not win the title, he will be forced to leave Raw forever. Mm. Mm. On the 10 5 Raw. Yes. Forever. Eva, on the 10-5 Raw, Orton cuts a promo on winning the WWE title at Hell in a Cell. When Cena interrupted and Orton declared Cena wouldn't get a rematch, but Cena would say that their rivalry had to end and challenged Orton to an Iron Man match. Orton agreed, but added the stipulation that Cena would leave Raw if he lost and the match would be no DQ and no countout, which Cena agreed to. The following week on 10-12, Orton would cost Cena his triple threat match to be on Team Raw, and later that night, Orton and Cena were forced to team up against Legacy. Cena would end up costing his team the match when he caused Orton to be pinned by DiBiase. And the following week on 10-19, Orton confronted DiBiase about the previous week, and the two men faced off in a match where Orton won in a squash, and that same night, Cena would lose to Triple H and would salute the crowd, playing off like it could be his last night on Raw. So that was kind of cool that that, uh, Cena did that. but Didn't need much build. It was kind of there already. (laughs) When you fight every three weeks on pay-per-view, you know. Yeah, pretty much. All right, here we go. Uh, position as the final match, title on the line, Iron Man rules. <laughs> the final match is going never to smack down again. if he loses. Never <laughs> yeah. going to happen Orin, again. Never. Orin saunters out, title on his shoulder, intense as always. Cole notes this is just the sixth Iron Man match in WWE history. Cena gets his usual mixed reactions. The crowd's ready to rock. We get started with Cena and Orton alternating controlling on the mat as the announcers are talking strategy. Orton takes over, slowly stalks through his strikes. We move through the first five minutes. Cena trips him up, grabs the STF. Orton taps immediately, just giving Cena a one nothing lead, just under 55 minutes. We get a 30-second rest period. We get going again as King talks about Orton sacrificing the fall to avoid further damage. Orin attacks, gets back to work with his methodical attack to eat up time. Crowd gets restless. Cena fights free, gets the five-knuckle shuffle. Orin pops up and nails the RKO to tie the score as we get just under 51 minutes. Orton drives Cena to the floor as the rest period ends. Orin beats on him out there. King says Cena should have taken the loss and get the rest period instead of kicking out. 
Orton grabs a mic and smashes Cena with it, slicing him open and getting a two. Orton hammers away the cut as the ref has the doctor check on Cena, but he breaks free and assaults Orton. Cena fires up. He throws Orton outside, barrages him there as blood is streaming down his face. Orton shoots him to the steps. The tide turns back. Orton keeps pounding on the cut as we dip below 45 minutes. Cena rallies as the five-knuckle shuffle and tries an attitude adjustment, but Orton counters to an RKO on the way down in a very cool spot. They both collapse with their arms on top of each other. The ref counts, and apparently <laughs> now it's two to two, even though all the shoulders are down, whatever. The doctors are in. They check on both of them. After the rest period, both men are up. Cena gets Orton on the top rope, and it's a super AA to a big pop. He's up three to two with 40 minutes to go. Legacy flies out and beats down Cena during the rest period. DiBiase hits Dream Street, and Orton covers the tie at 3-3. Kofi Kingston is in with a chair. He cleans out Legacy. Both guys are up. They close on each other and end up on the floor. They slug it out there. Toward the entrance stage, Orton smashes Cena into a control panel. He sets off the pyro, and Orton snaps to it and kind of looks around and seemingly gets some inspiration as he thinks <laughs> things through. Orton slings Cena through the light board on the set. We get more sparks as he crashes through it. Orton covers him and goes up four to three with a half hour left. Orton comes back to the pyro board and starts pressing buttons as the tech is yelling at him to stop. Cena climbs on the stage and Orton follows and smashes his head with a chair, drags him over top of the pyro port. Orton comes back and shoves the tech away and presses the button again, but it doesn't work. So he starts banging on the buttons until the pyro sets off and Cena rolls away. Orton heads to the stage. He takes things back to ringside as he hammers away out there. We go halfway through the match as Orton bashes Cena with another chair, shoves him back inside. Orton goes to pull Cena up, but Cena sinks into an inside cradle and gets the win. It is now 4-4. Four to four. Orton snaps and beats on Cena during the rest period and throws a tantrum. Orton drags Cena across the mat. It's a hanging DDT to take a 5-4 lead. We're under 25 minutes as Orton loads Cena back inside and clubs on him. Tries to pick up another fall and eat the clock at the same time as we get to 20. Orton drags Cena back up the ramp to the stage. Grisham thinks Orton should be up more given this dominant stretch. Orton runs to the ring. He makes Cena waste time chasing him, then hammers on him in the ring. Cena almost gets an AA, but Orton slips free and runs away through the crowd to waste the clock as Cole calls it the old four corners offense. Cena catches him and stomps away in the stands. We get to 15. We head back inside as Cena tries to keep tying it up, uh, but Cena, uh, by, uh, but he can't find a way to get the fall, I should say. Cena smashes Orton with the stairs The roars to the crowd as scoops Orton into an AA, climbs the stairs and flings Orton off the stairs through the announce table to a big pop. Cena covers. It is now five to five with nine minutes to go. Cena covers again immediately after the rest period, but Orton kicks out. Cena sets up a table in the ring. He drags Orton onto it, heads up top, and flies off in a leg drop. Orton moves. Cena smashes through the table at five minutes. Both guys are up and trading heavy fists. Cena wins the fight, but he falls into the referee. Another ref shows up. We hit two minutes, but Orton wipes out that ref after a two count. Orton has a bit of a meltdown, then stops because you can see the idea clicking in his head, and he lines up a punt, but Cena dodges it and hooks the STF. With a minute to go, Cena wrenches on it. Orton is yelling and tries to escape, but with five seconds left, Orton taps, and Cena wins 6-5. to five. So, uh, there were some pieces of something here, for sure, but it was way too long to fill, and so much slow stalking. My recap made it sound exciting, but I covered 60 minutes in like, you know, a minute and a half. <laughs> there was a lot of boring shit in here. Uh, insanity mixed on top of the slow stalking is they go to absurd lengths in this feud. It's filled with homicide attempts all throughout. The usual excessive nonsense <laughs> poured out of this. The comical parts with Orton running around kind of overshadowed the more vicious stuff. This felt like it should have been a 30 minute Iron Man instead yeah. of 60 minute torture porn. Like a 30 minute Iron Man, these guys would have been way hotter. 
the finish was super contrived. Orton couldn't last four more seconds. I mean, it's stupid. He should have tapped like a minute left instead and then tried to go crazier for a minute. Um, this feud needs a break. Uh, this also feels like the end of Orton's time in the sun as a title contender. He's dominated for two years, but that might need a break too. Uh, Scott, I'm pretty low on this. I want a star and a half. Um, I just don't see any justification for going 60 minutes with this feud. It's absurd. It's a bunch of nonsense. Um, the feud itself has been insipid throughout most of it, but this was like way over the top gratuitous bullshit. Scott fell asleep. I don't blame him. Well, sorry. I was on mute. Um, I was on another page. Uh, I give this two stars. Um, I've liked this feud and you know, we've, it's had its ups and downs. Uh, a fourth straight match is probably overkill. Um, I think 30 minutes would have been amazing, but I also think, but I, the reason I don't think they did that is because, you know, although they've done 30 minutes before, I was going to say, cause you know how Vince is, we're not using WCW tropes, but they did. Yeah, uh, yeah they've done 30 before. No, they did. They did. Sean and Kurt did 30. Um, I think I think thirty minutes would have been just fine. You could have added mm-hmm. another match to the card, um, or just go longer with the friggin' go longer with the brand match, like we talked yeah. about. They yeah, absolutely. Up. Thirty and go longer with the brand match. This absolutely. Was... Here's the problem. Well, amongst many problems, Orton is a very Orton's got that stocky thing going on, and. When you're doing a reg, you know, like he kind of has that, you know, why he's the pre- the apex predator, the viper. He kind of has that slunky way with his physique and everything and the, and the jaw and the look. And that's fine for like a normal match of like 15 to 20 minutes, even 25. But when you'd start doing that for like 42 of the 60 minutes, now you're just, now it's, now it looks like stalling. And Cena, I hate to say this because I love, I, I love Cena, but he just doesn't have the move set. This is not sh- this is if they had booked this like Triple H and Rock at Judgment Day 2000, I think we'd have been fine. Um if they made it more violent. I mean, these guys have been beating the shit out of each other for two fucking years. I was expecting even more violence. And I feel like if had they gone that route and had they made this this Iron Man match more like that one, Triple H and less like Sean and Brett, which is what they didn't did end up doing. It's like Sean and Brett for the first like 45 minutes and Triple H and, and Rock for the last 15 when they should have just done Triple H and Rock for the whole thing. And instead, they're trying to... When you try to invent drama or invent tension, instead of it coming organically, when you're trying to synthetically put it in, then you look bored. And no disrespect to both these guys. I love them both. But they didn't, they couldn't do it organically. They It just got dull. Because Orton's stockiness doesn't work when you have to fill an hour. It's fine in a 15 or 20 minute match. But when you got to do that for an hour, you're fucking off, it looks like. And Cena, and I, I again, I love Cena. But his moveset isn't conducive to a match this long. The last time he looked good in a match this long, and that's because of his opponent, was when him and Sean wrestled in London, which was also like, what, 50? Well, it felt like that long. It seems like it was that long. 50-something minutes or whatever the hell it was. 
And that's what hurt here. On top of the fact that we've already watched these guys four straight months with varying degrees of, of stipulation, this was too much. This yeah, was too was much. This whole pay-per-view is too much. It was really not needed at all. I would have just done – I, I, I'm curious your thoughts, Steve. I would have just done fucking Cyber Sunday for one more year. Or just do no pay-per-view. They didn't or skip it all together. They didn't or skip one. it all together and, and do bragging rights as a subtitle for Survivor Series, which is what they should have done, Steve. This match could have been good if it was a tighter match, but neither of these guys have the move set, the psychology to handle this long a match, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, I, I can think of some other ways to do it. My first question, though, what were the blood rules at this time? Uh, we're, we started the PG era, so I don't think there's any really PG um, era a year old. So I know Cena bleeds here, so I don't think we're full on ban, but and it's, it's definitely rare. Like I was trying, like it's up top of his head. So it wasn't like, you know, summer. It could have been hard way. Could have been hard yeah, way. I think it was, I, I think it was a blade because just where it was, it wasn't in right. the eyebrow. So I want to say it, 10, I think 10 is the, where they really go hardcore with no blood. Yeah, and they quick glued it up. Yeah. They quick glued uh, glued it up too. Um, yeah, I this was it, it's hard because there was like you said there was a lot of good pieces there. I actually enjoyed the fireworks thing. It was kind of humorous, like campy humor, where he's just like presses the button. Oh, look at that! I did some fireworks. Um, and, and with I don't think they did enough with the false count anywhere. Anything goes stipulation either. I mean, they had Kofi run out, which was at least it was a nod to the backstage. There was a purpose to that backstage uh, conflict between Kofi and Cody after the tag match where he was going to come out and take out Kofi and that uh, that fraud DiBiase. Over, overall, though, it was just disappointing. And I haven't gone back and watched like you guys, all these Orton Cena uh-huh. matches that have gone on ad nauseum for 09 when I looked at cage match to see the history. Uh, by the way, this last match ever, they faced each other in December of this year in a, yep. in a Superstar of 2009 finals match. And yep. uh, as you guys were going through the match, I counted 12 more one-on-one <laughs> matches that were either televised or uh, pay-per-views, uh, not even counting like triple threats or tag teams. Yeah, ridiculous. So, yeah, within a couple months. Just... Like you said, there's some pieces there. The The thing at the end drove me crazy. Orton's mm-hmm. so, like, he's t- super tough. They pimp that up for him constantly. And he wasn't even passing out at four no. seconds left. Like, he would have, you could sneeze in four seconds. It was he stupid. was fine. It was stupid. Yeah. yeah, they could just uh, do a tie and then go into overtime if you want to do that. You're not protecting. Or just, or just have him tap a minute with a minute to go. That's all. Yeah. And, right. and then maybe he tries to explain the strategy that, oh, I tapped because I figured, all right, I'd have one minute to go all out instead of laying in the hold. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then with the ref bump, too, Orton gets the visual cover right. with that. And uh, uh, after the RKO, and then Cena wins that way. Orton is the one who actually looks like the baby face and Cena mm-hmm. looks like a dork. Yeah. Yeah. Really disappointed with that. I was, I was hoping for more. The only good thing was that uh, because they were, it felt like spot rest spot 
rest. Mm. I was able to do other things as the match was going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Usually well, when I'm reviewing stuff, I like to actually like just watch, you know, without interruption. But, you know, this match, I could kind of go back and forth between stuff. Yeah. Do we quickly know the other Iron Man? They said this is the sixth one. We know it's uh, Triple H, Sean. Triple H, Sean. Brett, um, Sean. Brett, Sean. Brock, Kurt. Triple H, Brock, Kurt. Triple H, Benoit. Mm -hmm. That's four. Oh, and, and Triple uh, H, Sean. When was Triple H, Sean, Iron Man? Not Triple H, Sean. Uh, Triple H, Rock. Triple H, Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Sean was the ref, but yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, so that's a six. That's actually pretty easy. Okay. All right, let's get to our awards. Uh, we'll wrap things up. Um, MVP, I, I mean, I assume we all agree it's Batista. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. LVP, I just gave the tie to Cena and Orton. I mean, they were both fucking terrible in that match. <laughs> like, to get an hour and, and deliver that, like, it's a fail for both those guys. Yeah. They, they, they couldn't handle it after, like, 35 minutes. <laughs> I, I would lean more towards Cena, but just for the just for sake of argument, we can just go Cena Orton. Thought Orton at least had some fun little facial manner mannerisms and such. Yeah, but there's yeah. so much slow stalking and everything. Yeah. Um all right, best <laughs> match. I went with the four way take a punk Batista Ray. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Worst match I had I had Cena Orton, obviously. Yeah, usually I would pick something like the women's match, but mm -hmm. the fact that to put an hour into that, it was your main event. There's, yeah, definitely the uh, Cena-Orton match for me. This moment, Batista turning on Ray. Totally. 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, I went that for the surprise, too. I mean, there's nothing else really shocking on this night. Uh, how shockingly bad the Iron Man match was? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I'll say with ease, this is one of the worst shows we've done in a long time. Um, I, You're welcome. You know, I'm <laughs> looking back at our scores. Like, I don't. Have, this is the lowest I have since this reboot. Easily, Scott. Like, um, and even if you take out the one science made event that was kind of low, it's like dramatically the worst show. Like, it's like not even close to some of the like whatever the previous worst was. So I went three and a half out of ten. I mean, like, <laughs> there's nothing here. It's a complete. Waste of a show. You did not need it in any way. Like we've said all night, they could have just done the same concept of Survivor Series, which you have weeks later. The main event is all-time atrocious for an hour of the show to <laughs> deliver that. If yeah. it wasn't for Batista's heel turn, like this might have been even like like a two on set. Um, I would argue it's one of the worst one of the worst shows we've we've done. Yeah, I'm looking back at my grades. Uh, not yeah, I gave that that science main event was a one and a half. That was that was just crap all around. Um, the last I mean, this is up there with some of those like old Sheriff Pete December MSGs. Like that's, oh, that's oh the level God. like this was at for me. Like yeah. around those, you know. I gave uh, Survivor Series 08, I gave a five. Yeah. Like that's like the low we had was like a five. You know, this yeah. is like, dramatically you, worse. Yeah. I can't I mean, we got some good grades for some of these shows, but this is this is not good. Hmm. I'm gonna grade it a little higher than you, but not much. I'm going to give it a four and a half. I thought the I thought the undercard had some redeeming qualities. The 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 world title match was great. Batista's heel turn was fucking amazing. Um, I thought the women's match was good. You know, I just can't get over that Iron Man. Like, but the Iron Man is just sixty plus of that shit. <laughs> yeah, absolute dreck. I just didn't. I, I don't drag it down as much as you do, but it, it was bad. So four and a half is about as low. 
I mean, I can't think. Not counting. What's the I, have I had a paper? Well, 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 Steve, Unforgiven 07, mm. I gave four and a half. Yeah. I think that's the last show that I've, not counting that Saturday's main event, that I've gone below. I was a five on that. So, I mean, and that was a bad show. And that was not a good show either. So, um, yeah, this is this is rough. This is rough. But I, I'll, give you, I'll give it slightly higher than, than you. But I don't I'll know, Steve. You're usually the difference. Yeah, I'll split the difference. I was because I didn't want to like screw up your scale, so I'm glad you guys went first because I wasn't really sure <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm excited to be talking to you guys, of course. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I wasted my time doing this. I I really liked the four way match. I wish it could have gone longer. Um, I I'll just say four just to kind of split the difference and make it easy to do the math. Yeah. It's... It's a rough one. Uh, well, hopefully in two weeks, we'll see if Survivor Series bounces off of that, uh, which is when we'll be back to cover that. We'll wrap up the summer with that one, Scott. Yep. Uh, be sure to check out everything we have to offer here at the Place of Me Nation. Uh, this is the very feed here, Place of Me Nation Wrestling feed. Tons of great content, including the main event with Steve and Scott. You can check that out, covering modern-day wrestling. Mm-hmm. Also over North-South Connection uh, on YouTube and on um, audio form on your podcast applications. We have a ton of cool content there as well. Some really fun SummerSlam stuff that we did throughout August, so be sure to check all that out. Follow us across social media. Steve, I want to thank you for joining us. Always a blast catching up with you, my friend. Uh, Scott, I'll talk to you in two weeks. Until then, everyone take care. Peace.